It is a real privilege to come this morning. Thank you, Alan, for inviting me. And I'd like to approach this sermon in four parts. Firstly, think a little about the history of Mothering Sunday. Secondly, touch on our personal story as children. Thirdly, take in the biblical story in our gospel reading. And fourthly, allow the Colossians reading to challenge us on being clothed for God's call. Whether that's as a mother, a father, a single person, all people of God. I shall be referring to a number of Bible passages, but most of them will be on the screen. So let's bow our heads for a moment. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you know what's going on in our lives. You know what's brought us to this day. You care about our futures. And we believe as Christians that you have all things in your hands. So please open our hearts, open our minds to receive your word to us this morning so that we will be transformed and taken on in confidence and in your strength. For we ask this in the name of our living Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So firstly, a little about the history. During the 16th century, on Mothering Sunday, people returned to their mother church. This was the main church or cathedral of the area for a service to be held on the fourth Sunday of Lent, Litare Sunday, which translating from the Latin word means to rejoice. It was a a joyful day. Anyone who did this was commonly said to have gone a mothering, although whether this preceded the term mothering Sunday is unclear. In later times on mothering Sunday, domestic servants were given a day off to visit their mother church, usually with their own mothers and other family members. It was often the only time that whole families could gather together, since on other days they were prevented by conflicting working hours. The children would pick wildflowers along the way to place in the church or give to their mothers, as is often the tradition in churches. Eventually, the religious tradition evolved into the Mothering Sunday secular tradition of giving gifts to mothers. So for years, Mothering Sunday has been a special opportunity to focus on our mothers. Of course, this brings us secondly to our personal story, and face-to-face with a mixture of emotions as we think back over our years to the present time as sons and daughters. I was the third daughter of three children and was, from the moment I was born, a disappointment to my parents. 
because I was a girl. And my mother, who was a cockney, said, after that, I shut up shop. I wasn't going to risk any more. I was named Jerry because um, they wanted to call their son Gerald. And in the newspaper at the time, there was an article about Geraldine Chapman, the son of Char- the daughter of Charlie Chapman, and they thought, oh, that will do. We'll call her Geraldine and we'll still call her Jerry. My eldest sister was seven years older than me, and she was very independent. My elder sister, two years older than me, was very close to, her mo- to our mother, and that was really obvious. I was very close to my father and really enjoyed him immensely as the person who took me to church, as a person who took me to his office, and I sat in his chair at his desk. He was a chartered accountant, and I just loved everything about him. And when I was 13, he died, and I can remember kneeling by my bed and thinking, well, God, what do we do now? What do I do now? It was clearly a very difficult time for my mother because she'd got three teenage daughters. She was of the sort of tradition, if you like, that she'd not worked since she'd had the children. And having a husband who'd been a chartered accountant, she hadn't written a cheque, she hadn't done anything to do with finance. And we lived in the West Midlands, away from all our family, uh, having been taken there by my father's work. So clearly it was, and she was at a, a sort of in her late 40s, early 50s, and she was at a, a tricky time of life herself. I'm sure I was not the easiest of teenagers, but I don't think I did anything too drastic, because by nature I wasn't someone who liked to get in trouble. I hadn't got the courage Nevertheless, one day I was about 15, and we were on the drive outside the house. And my mother turned to me, and she shouted, I'd rather have ten of your sister than one of you. And I don't know if you can remember that Narnia film where people are sort of, sort of put in, as it were, like pillars of salt or frozen in ice, should I say. And it felt at that moment that I was frozen in position. My mother went back inside the house. But the wonderful turning point for me was the neighbour, Mrs D, as she was fondly called, had been in her front garden. And she came round and she put her arm on my shoulder. And she said, well, Jerry, it's tough now, but it will get better. And what was so great about that was she didn't say, oh, you know, she didn't mean that, because we knew she did. But that made me all the more focused on my exploring my faith with God. And it was two years later that I came into my own faith, 40 years ago. And one of that one of the real challenges to me was I fall short all the time as a daughter, as a person, as a student at school, whatever. There has to be a way that this can be put right because I keep messing up. 
My mother told me so, and it surely is so. And then I came into a living faith. I understood the, the step you took from knowing a, an almighty God and loving him to knowing a personal saviour who was crucified for all your shortcomings every day, every year, forever and ever. Amen. And the Holy Spirit would dwell in me and help me to be transformed and reach whatever potential my Father had seen in me, but the Heavenly Father sees in me and us all. Suffice not to say the rest of the story, except as the years went on, we got closer and closer. My mother came into her own faith in her 70s, and latterly I became her carer. And closer to her than close could be. I had the privilege, with my husband's support, of taking her funeral. And a year after that, of burying her ashes in my father's grave. It was just an amazing uh, journey. And I'm thankful to God for that privilege. But whatever our story, as a child... We've all been brought into the world and given life, which in itself is a supreme gift. And flowers, which are sometimes exchanged in families on such a day as this, are a token of that gratitude and love. But as Christians, we also believe that each and every person is gifted by God for his call on what we do with our life. The creator God is the supreme giver of this and eternal life. Simon Peter writes, Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Being a parent or being a mother considering today's Mothering Sunday focus, may be a part of that call, but it may not. Amongst my husbands and my children and nephews and nieces, we have those who have very easily had children and those who are currently trying. We have a disabled niece who does not have that particular calling open to her. We have another niece in a civil partnership. Who knows if they may or may not have children in the future. We also have a niece who would have loved to have children but has not found a partner and is now approaching a time of life when it may no longer be possible for her. Even so, We have biblical examples in Abraham and Sarah and Zechariah and Elizabeth when they found themselves miraculously with child. By contrast, Mary became quite unexpectedly the expectant mother of Jesus when the angel Gabriel appeared to her saying, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. 
for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. So thirdly, taking in our gospel reading, we heard how Joseph and Mary presented Jesus in the temple where the devout Simeon and in fact also the prophetess Anna were worshipping and praying. It was a kind of public seal on a covenant. This act brought together four things. Joseph and Mary obeying the law of Moses the promise of the Lord's Christ, which Simeon had been awaiting. The redemption of Israel, which the prophetess Anna had been praying for. And also Mary's acceptance of her call to bring the Son of God into the world and give him physical life. To bear a child, you must be prepared to be clothed and reclothed as you grow. Mary had to be clothed for God's call physically and emotionally as she changed shape with her pregnancy and the potential shame she carried with it as an unmarried mother. But also she was clothed spiritually as she was transformed within by the power of the Holy Spirit for her call to bear the Son of God. The catechism included in the Anglican Book of Common Prayer defines a sacrament as an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace given unto us, adorned by, ordained by Christ himself as a means whereby we receive the same and a pledge to assure us thereof. To me, that so resonates with Mary the Mother bearing Jesus, the Son of God. I wonder how many times Mary recalled how Luke described the shepherd's visit when she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And also Simeon's words to her, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. To be followers of Jesus Christ, we also have the chance to say like Mary, may it be to me as you have said. We may not have such a clear call with the appearance of an angel, with words audible to our physical hearing. But as we live by faith, we trust in the guidance of God, however he chooses to lead, who pleaded many times in the Old Testament, as in Jeremiah, they will be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them singleness of heart and action, so that they will always fear me for their own good and the good of their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them and I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. If we do say yes to be followers of Christ, 
we have to realise what our side of the covenant means, just as Mary did. Recalling also what was said to her, that hearts will be revealed. God sees in to our hearts and our intentions. Being a follower of Christ, we have to remember many things. Just as Simeon and Mary were full of the Holy Spirit, as the Apostle puts it, we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, referring back to Jeremiah, I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. But to be temples of the living God requires us to be clothed inwardly for our call as carriers of the Holy Spirit. We're in a battle of sorts with the standards and behavior and cravings and idols of the world. Jesus said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. We're in the world, but not of the world. We're people who are called to inhabit the kingdom of God now with its different guidelines as laid down in the living word of God and modeled by Jesus himself. An expectant mother clothes herself outwardly and visibly for the growing child within. A follower of Jesus Christ needs to be clothed within, transformed for that call to be outwardly visible through changed attitudes and behavior. So now, fourthly, let's allow the Colossians passage to challenge us. What should be outwardly visible from the follower of Christ being clothed inwardly for his call? Whatever that may be and wherever it may lead. We're first reminded in verse 12 that as such we are God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. That's God's part of the covenant. That's something I felt when I was mourning the loss of my father. I was holy and loved, dearly loved. And later on, I felt that more and more with my own mother and then with the living Lord Jesus. That's God's part. I will love you. You will be my people. I will be your God. You will be my people. What is our part? As mothers, fathers, single people, as all people of God. We are to clothe ourselves with compassion. That's what it says in verse 12. And again, kindness, 
humility, gentleness, patience. We're to bear with each other. Forgive what grievances you may have against one another. Put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts as members of one body. Be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Sing psalms, hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude to God. Whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God through him. Amazing. Look at all that in those few short verses we heard read. That's how we're to be clothed inwardly for God's call. Paul reminds us earlier in his letter that all this is not for our benefit alone, but for our call for others. We pray you may live a life worthy of the Lord. And may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of life. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the sunny loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. When I became committed to Christ at a Holy Communion service in 1973 and I took the bread and wine myself, I felt rescued. Rescued from the old self and encouraged and strengthened to be the new self, knowing that I was in a battle, and yet being equipped for that and resourced for that. And I've never once in those 40 years felt any different from that moment. When we get up, we dress physically to suit the weather. When we get up, we need to dress spiritually, clothed by God for his call, for whatever we face, and strengthened by his power. So we started considering how in the history of Mothering Sunday, people were called back together to visit their mother church. The challenge today, and I include myself in listening to this, is to consider how you are being called back your relationship with God, your place in his church, your place in your family, your workplace, your college or school place, your community, your road where you live. What is that call about for you? Are you seeking it? Are you listening to what it means? Are you willing to say like Mary, may it be to me as you have said? Are you willing to allow yourself to be clothed for God's call, whatever age and stage of life you are? 
Are you willing to be truly open to the changing attitudes and behavior which line up with the Colossians reading? Those characteristics that are the outwardly visible sign of the inward and spiritual grace given to you. We're still in the time of Lent for repentance and reflection, seeking restoration and renewal. Let's be honest with ourselves concerning whether we are inwardly clothed for God's call. And if not, why not? Let's ask ourselves what difference the resurrection of Jesus at Easter could really look like in our lives today for all to see if we were truly clothed and ready for it. Owning all God's characteristics in his name and strength and power and for his glory. Have a moment of quiet. Thank you, Lord, that you hear the cry of our hearts. Lord, let it not be just for this moment, but keep prompting us by your Holy Spirit that we may be open to that inner transformation, that clothing, for you being the people you call us to be for such a time as this. And as we move on with you into eternity. Thank you, Lord God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.